Ochoa. My question for you today is, how do you know that someone is like-minded? And the reason I ask this is because we have, you know, we navigate the waters of workshop a lot and, you know, times have changed and opinions have changed and they fluctuate. You know this, where something's in, something's out. A lot of people lean a certain way. But how do you know you've truly found your people in education? Someone that you can talk to, relate to, interact with on a meaningful level that you know that you can walk down the hall, you can call, you can text, you can email and say, you know what? At the end of the day, I know this person's to be. How do you know you found your people? Well, let's see, because I've been around a little while and I have a cat playing with <laughs> toys. Sorry. <laughs> The cat brought the loudest toy all of a sudden, right when you asked that question. Well, uh, I, I would say that the reason I know that there are certain people that I talk to and that I know I'm like-minded by, and that's basically uh, when we have a conversation and we start talking about maybe ideas about lessons and things like that, and then all of a sudden you realize that you think alike, that you start your lessons in the same way you, or you might have the same philosophy or the same principles. So when you, when, uh, so usually I, I find that out when I'm, when I have to like, um, work with someone now over the years, I've been, um, you know, I've, I've been training teachers in our district, right. And the teachers that come up to me and ask me questions and then they are like telling me their experiences. And I realize that their experiences are uh, basically similar to mine in the sense of, of the kind of lessons they're doing, the way they're getting the kids to write, the way they're getting to read. Then I realize that that's somebody that I can talk to about, about lessons like you and I, when we first started talking, you know, we didn't know at first that we were really like-minded, but we are. And part of it is because when we started talking about reading and writing, we had the same principles in mind. We would talk about the same things and, we would agree on on many things. Now, there are things that sometimes we might disagree on, but we were able to talk about it. Now, when you're looking at a more of a political way, because there's all schools that are political, uh, a lot of times I might throw a little something out there. And if it comes back in a different way, I go, oh, not you. <laughs> so you got to be careful about me because I might throw a little something out there that I know just came from me. And then if I hear it back a different way, then I'm like, okay, I now know who I can trust. But usually it's when you're sitting down with an actual colleague and y'all are discussing, discussing uh, curriculum and you're discussing writing and reading and you're discussing, you find yourself all of a sudden realizing you're both workshop teachers uh, can you hear my cat? You cannot hear my cat. Okay. My cat's playing with a very loud toy. I can mm -hmm. hear my cat. But anyway, but that's usually how I, I determine. And, uh, it doesn't take me, it's probably takes me sooner to find out that you're not, uh, listening to me and, and, or that we're not connecting. And that is when, First of all, you can't carry out a conversation 
And then when you when you when you're having to explain what you're talking about and they still don't get it and you explain it again and then they're like, I'm not seeing it, then you realize then that you're probably not connecting. Uh, a lot of times I'll start something and I've I've been told that that I'm, you know, if they don't understand workshop or they don't understand my philosophy, which is allowing the kids, giving them feedback, allowing them choice, allowing them time to read and time to write. When, when I start giving them time uh, like that and people are more on a schedule and they want their worksheets and all that stuff done at a certain time, they have to, and they do everything in isolation uh, that's usually when I realize they're not getting me. And when I start trying to talk to them, they're all like, mm-hmm, that's great. And then they just move on. I can always tell because they're like, mm, okay. Or they'll say things like I, I've also been uh, in the past. I've been told, oh, okay, some of us are okay. He, he, my cat, I'm sorry, my cat, I'm really not doing well tonight, but my cat caught the toy and moved on. So we're good. So I can concentrate now. <laughs> but my uh but i've been called names and stuff in front of others you know and and i've been i've been talked down to in a way where it was like well some of us you know like to take rabbit trails and give a lot of time to things that aren't that important you know and i mean that's like right in the middle of a meeting i mean it's like i've never said that to you never not once you have not now you might have talked about my rabbit trails but you've not (laughs) you've not done it in front of you've not done it in front of others in a meeting when we're talking about anyway curriculum. i've only said it in terms of endearment okay i've never said it in a <laughs> negative context i was talking about somebody else years ago when i actually was when workshop was really truly new to our district and there was probably just a handful of us that were actually doing it and uh anyway and so people weren't getting me they liked their worksheets and and I've even had people print workshop uh, worksheets off for me. Like I've had them come in and walk in with like 200 to 500 papers of worksheets and said, here, I did these for you. And it's like 40 prepositional question, you know, sentences to parse on one side on prepositional phrases and then come, you know, and then parsing them again or filling in the blank on the other side. And it's like 40 and 40. It's like 80 questions per sheet. And and then they realized, uh, I knew I didn't agree with this person because they did that. And then they turned around and got mad at me for not using their worksheets. And I'm like, well, I didn't ask for them, but I already told you, I don't teach my grammar within the context of the writing. So when they start talking isolation and I'm talking context, uh, that's when we really truly know that um, in in an English philosophy, we're not, we're not meshing. I don't know if I'm answering your question right. And I'm sorry about all the cat references. Okay. Okay. (laughs) Sorry, everybody. Ladies and gentlemen, this is the Crack and Giraffe Podcast, <laughs> where we talk about cats, we talk about navigating all the things, but truthfully, we talk about 
Rewriting Workshop and all the different contexts. We love what we do. We're passionate about this work. And truthfully, this podcast only exists because you guys show up and support mm-hmm. us. And our biggest supporters support us over there on Patreon, just like you can. We get access to bonus episodes no one else hears, bonus trainings no one else has access to, and direct access to us to ask questions and everything else. But truthfully... The true supporters, the hardcore supporters of the podcast that keep the lights on there. Alicia, Brandy, Leah, Mark, Amy, Sarah, Rebecca, Courtney, Carol, Melissa, Destiny, Lori, Natalie, Susan, Tracy, Andrea, Hannah, Lori, Jen, and Matt. They keep the lights on. They allow us to do a podcast that is not ad filled and truthfully a place that we get to just talk about whatever we want because we are crowdfunded. We are not funded by corporations. We don't have to fit a specific agenda. Truthfully, we get to say what we want to say on this show because we we are only accountable to us. And it's it's a beautiful thing to have because we just want to give you all an honest place to exist. Today, we're talking about choice. We're going to go back to an OG conversation. We're talking about choice all the time. But believe it or not, people still push back on choice, Ochoa. Mm-hmm. Can you believe that? People still think choice is not applicable in education. So we're going to go down that rabbit hole. Who knows where this conversation is going to go because we're both passionate about this subject. We're going to see what happens. But ladies and gentlemen, welcome to Craft the Draft. All righty, Ochoa. Here, let's give the benefit of the doubt to people. Okay. 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 You and I have both sat in meetings mm-hmm. where administration has frowned at choice. I have sat in meetings where people were like, okay, so you're giving kids choice in reading. When are they going to read something that's valuable? Right. <laughs> yes. we, we, they, I've sat in meetings where people go, okay, so they're choosing what to write. How do you know that they're writing about something that's meaningful? And I just, it, those questions exist. The thought process exists. The reality exists. Mm-hmm. And It's unfortunate, but let's give them the benefit of the doubt. What? Like, let's say, let's play devil's advocate. Let's give them the benefit of the doubt, Ochoa. What might choice, what, what, what is wrong with choice? Like, what are the, what are the, the complications with choice? I guess is, is a good way to ask that. Number one, you can't, if you give true choice and what I'm saying choice, I, you know, when I give choice, I am not putting a list that I pre-created and said, choose one. When I, when I'm talking choice for the most part, especially at the beginning of their writing process, it is their choice. Now I do, the only stipulation I put on it is this, to be honest, and you're not this way. You really give them all the way through, I think. But sometimes I'll say, well, it needs to be classroom appropriate because if a principal reads it, I want to be able to, to, let them know. So whatever you do, just make sure it's classroom appropriate, but you can write about whatever you want, but don't, you know, there's just things you got to consider your audience and this is a school. So just consider your audience. Other than that, you can write about anything. And as a result, I've got kids who'll write volume. I mean, they'll write pages and pages. I had it. I had a student the other day, I've already turned in the assignment and already graded it. Right. I've already handed it back if you will. And the student is like, Miss Ochoa, I'm now done on my my fourth chapter. And I'm like, really? And she said, oh, yeah, I've just gotten really into this story and I can't stop. I just, she's going to end up with a novel because she is just, it was a good piece. 
and she likes it. And it's something that she's created on her own. And because she's invested in it, she's still writing on it. She showed me her, her, the stuff she's done. And I mean, I graded this last semester. She's now on chapter four. I mean, she is, she's, uh, the, her, her little page, her little short story that she handed me is now turned into four chapters. It was just three pages when she gave it to me. So if I had told her, no, you have to write a story about, and I told her what it had to be about or a paper about something, and it has to be about that, like write about when you lost your friend, write about when you gained a friend, write about your best day ever. I mean, if it had just been that only, I don't think I would have gotten the volumes that I'm getting. And she's actually showing them to me and they're no longer for a grade and she's still working on them. So, but the problem is when you're saying the, the problem is I don't have control. The minute I give choice, free choice, true choice, I have, I'm no longer controlling the topics. And because I'm not controlling the topics, people go, that's where your questions come in. Well, how do you know they're writing about something serious? How do you know if they're writing about, I mean, how are they actually staying on target with what you need them to write about how does that fit into the curriculum that doesn't fit into curriculum if you're writing about choice so those are some things that people uh, have a problem with on choice uh, i'm no longer controlling their thinking i'm allowing them to think for themselves and some people might not like that me i personally do well, and that's the interesting piece to all of this, right? You know, and on multiple levels, there is a political level that mm -hmm. is very concerned with public educators indoctrinating kids. And rightfully so. There are definitely examples where yep. educators overstep their bounds <clears throat> and push an agenda. Absolutely. I will never deny that. Do I think it's a big percentage? No, I don't. But do I think it exists? Absolutely. Uh. But there's also another level of this where it's the question of can kids learn on their own without being told what to learn? And, and another. So let, let's take like a classic novel, for instance. Like let's say kids are reading um, like let's let's do City of Ember. Right. So the City of Ember is very much about government control, governments kind of like taking care of their own without mm -hmm. taking care of uh, their people. Right. right. Uh, do I have to explicitly tell kids that there are educators out there and I've had them on my podcast that that straight up say, yes, you need to tell kids what stuff is about. You know, if you're let's go to the high school level, you know, if you're reading 1984, you need to tell kids uh, what 1984 is really talking about. You need to talk about what the crucible is about. You need to talk about all of these things. And I, I get that argument, but it's also the conversation of do we want to bring kids into the thoughts that have always been had or would we want them to interact and, and, and contextualize some of this stuff within their own realities within the, the modern world? Um, do we, do we want to host their, their, do we do, uh, let me back up. Do we want to facilitate their understanding versus telling them how to understand it? And honestly, I think there's argument for both. I think there is argument to say, hey, this this story, this this video, this novel is arguing something. Do we agree? But there's also a place for, 
you know, what the heck do you think after reading this? What do you believe should be thought about? What does this make you interact with? Um, and I think that's where the, I get frustrated with this conversation in general, people that are, uh, that are obsessed with no choice or only choice. It's like, there's clearly nuance in this conversation. There is clearly times to tell kids, Hey, this is what's happening here. Let's analyze it. And there's also times to put something in front of kids and say, what do you think? Mm-hmm. And that, how do you navigate that piece? Cause I know you, you're on the same belief structure as me with that. How do you navigate when you, you hang a lantern, so to speak, on a topic versus when you let them interact naturally. What what does that thought process look like for you? Well, when I'm teaching them how to answer test questions, which I don't do that until I get closer to the test. Does that make sense? Like if they're going to be expected to write, because I know what they're doing in the future. You know, let's just take my honors class. You know, they're going to eventually, most of those kids will eventually uh, get into AP writing, correct? Uh, A writing course. They, they, and and I'm just going with, with writing right now, because I guess that's really what's on my mind. And, uh, and, and, or they're going to be in one of those dual credit, you know, they're going to have to write to prompts and they're going to have to write under a timed experience. I mean, that that's going to happen. So what's really good is if you start out with, with full choice, the minute I start taking over the choices, when I teach them how to write about prompts, I teach them how to read the prompt and I teach them how to write to it. But I don't do that until I know that they are experienced in their own decision-making for their own writing, because I like, and I, I think I said this last podcast or the podcast before, one of the things that I think is is a strength that I have is I'm able to take that student and put them in the position of an author. Like they become an author in my class. And as a result, they better understand the authors they're reading because I say, okay, so what did you do about your situation? And I was, and I was looking at, I just happened to have 180 days in front of me by Kelly Gallagher and Penny Kittle. And I was looking at this page and it says here, allow writers to make their own decisions. It says, we believe the ultimate choice of what to do next must rest with the writer. Most often we suggest next steps, but we do not tell students how to work. And I find that uh, interesting. It says the teacher helps the writer understand the writing effectiveness, but the writer is always in control. And that is, and that's where we empower our students to engage in their own processes, in their processes for choosing the books they want to read. Because ultimately, my I feel like my job is to create a student who can handle the world in the best of their ability when it comes to literacy. I want them to be as literate as possible when they leave my class. I want them to know how to, I mean, literate in every possible way. I, I, I throw a lot of different types of things at them and uh, different topics, um, explore different things. I explore science in my room. I explore history in my room. We explore stories in my room. Um, I try to give them as much information for their background situations as possible, but in doing so, I also want them to be thinkers. I want them to be creators. I want them to be readers and I want them to be writers and I want them to be able to interact in their world in a way that makes, that allows them to 
converse with it so that they can get things that they need in the future. I think if we just teach only what we give them, we're not helping them think for themselves. So anyway, it's my it's my soapbox right now, to be real honest. So there you go. I don't know what all I said. I don't even know if I answered the question at this point. I think here's I mean, you did. And the 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 greater argument of what we're talking about, I think, is so much more important than nuanced pedagogical conversations, because when we're talking about choice and what Penny Kill and Kelly Gallagher do so well at articulating um, is the choice is the most rigorous thing you can teach a kid. Mm-hmm. Think about how many choices you have to make as an adult. Hard choices, difficult Hard. choices, choices that could affect your entire life. Choices that can that can be the difference between the way your life exists today versus tomorrow. We we face them all the time. And so when we teach kids how to navigate that on a level such as, you know, choose a topic, choose a structure, choose all these things. What we're doing is we're building their capacity to take control over their own lives. I mean, that's truly what we're doing. And that's Mm -hmm. what, to me, that's what education is. You know, I don't think any educational environment should force an agenda on a kid. I don't think any educational environment should force an ideology on a kid. But what we should be doing is teaching kids how to make decisions and evaluate the results that they get. Your decisions that you make in your life are not going to mirror the ones that I make, and we could both be happy, and that's fine. I think the way society runs today is there are a lot of people who believe that if you don't end up in the exact same, you know, line as everyone else, you've lost the narrative. You've made a bad choice. It's just not true. Life is too complex. Existence is too complex to say that. Now, can we coexist with people that disagree? A thousand percent. The problem is that people don't believe that anymore, right? Like, like the society, at least American society, we are so divided that we operate on this. If you believe something other than me, then you don't belong in the conversation. That's just wrong. And so as educators... I truly, 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 truly believe our job is to let kids choose and teach them how to hone their decision, teach them Mm -hmm. how to make a choice and, and, and live with that choice and, and move forward with it and then decide on their own life, on their own values, on their own beliefs. Is this leading to the life I want? The answer may be no, right? Especially if they're a right. kid, they're still developing their frontal, <laughs> their lobe, like they're 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 processing, right? Well, I'm sorry, you made me go think ahead. Go ahead, keep going. I had a student that she chose because they're all mad that there's no phones in school right now. Yeah. Uh-huh. So a lot of them chose that for their argumentative essay, and I'll be dead gum if she didn't talk herself out of her own argument. <laughs> because- 
chose. First of all, she chose. And then she starts trying to argue for her side and she can't do it in a way. And so it was funny because I made her do both arguments, right? The the argument and the counter argument. And I just said, okay, this is your choice. So now what you got to do is you got to figure out what, what the principals are saying. What would they be saying? Go interview them, find out why, you know. So she did that. And so she came up with the reasons and all of that for hers and then theirs. And then she was like, Miss Ochoa, their their reasons are a lot more convincing than mine. (laughs) But she would never have come to that if she did not work through the problem. Anyway, go ahead. That's what you made me think of. And that's exactly the the point I'm making is you, we, like, I I think we we fear choice in schools because it, it leads to what you said a little bit ago, which is, it, it you lose control you lose mm-hmm. you lose control of where the trajectory is going but i think truly a master of their craft someone who really cares about this it's choice is the choice is a messy thing but we what what better lesson can you teach a kid like hey you made this choice let's see where this goes like that, that, that's parenting. That's, I mean, that's, I mean, it's, it's education. It, it is what it is. And truthfully, like what we do, the, the, I think, you know, and some of the best things you can do for a kid is let them make a choice that, you know, is probably wrong for them, but be there when they're ready to have the conversation about why the choice was wrong. Don't control mm-hmm. them. Don't, don't prevent them from making a mistake. Don't prevent, you know, a a challenging situation because you want to overly protect them. That's the wrong thing to do. Clearly. You don't want to be the, the, the parent, the, the, the adult guide, the mentor who says, no, I've done this. Don't do that. It's like, okay, you feel like this is true. Go for it. And I'll be here when you mess up and it (laughs) fails. And then we can talk about it. And so like, I mean, we're talking big picture, but reel it back into papers, right? Okay. So you made this choice in this poem. Okay. How did that lend itself? You made this choice in this article. You made this choice on the test. How did that lend itself? Like we can bring it all the way back to the very small things, but I think it's, it's important for us to have the conversations of, yeah, when we're teaching kids consequences, when we're teaching them discipline, when we're teaching them all of these things, it's, 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 it's the conversation of, we need to be the right people in their corner when they do make these mistakes. Let them, I mean, let kids make mistakes. Like, and I know it's very challenging and it's very difficult and we get frustrated and we're like, okay, well you did something wrong. You need to be punished. It's like, I mean, yeah, sure. Are there consequences for decisions? Absolutely. I make, you know, like I face consequences of my decisions all the time. You do. Everyone does. Mm -hmm. But when kids are still in this world of learning, when they're in education, I mean, talk about a gift we're giving them. Hey, you get to mess up and I'm going to love you when you come back into my classroom the next day. I'm going to high five you. I'm going to have this conversation, right? That is is the greatest thing about what we do, but it only happens with choice. If you're saying, okay, no choice, we're doing lockstep, we're moving forward, you're robbing kids of of an essential part of growing up. And I could, I, it's honestly educational mad practice to pull choice. I mean, truthfully, do you agree? No, I do agree. And, and uh, I think that's why, you know, it's, this has come up more than once um, 
here for me this particular year, especially maybe because you're not here, but, um, you know, we, we've got a change of the guard, if you will. And which is fine. I mean, we got good people, but their philosophies are not quite, you know, they've, they've hired so many people and I love them. I really do, but they, they are not choice oriented. And so I'm having a little bit of a difficulty with that, but I'm, I'm forging through. I mean, I am, we're doing choice. I don't care. We're doing choice because I believe in it that much. I was telling, I think I was telling you, uh, somebody, I, I was talking to you earlier today and letting you know about a conversation that I had had, and I can't really discuss, you know, who or whatever, but, but the point is the conversation came up where I'm like, no, I've been, I've been teaching writing and I have been doing workshop for over 30 years now, at least 30, at least 30, um, been teaching for 36. I would say somewhere right in there was when I started doing workshop was at least 30 years ago. And just from my own personal experiences over the years, I can tell you choice is the way to go. It just is. And, uh, okay, case in point, we uh, we just gave a test at our school where everybody had to write on the same prompt. Okay, it's going to happen. They have to do that. But I had a student who uh, got in trouble, I guess, because he was in another class at that time when they had gotten the prompt. And apparently somebody overlooked on his shoulder and, determined that he said, why do I have to write about this prompt? I don't really care. I don't understand why I have to even think about the military from the 1800s because I don't care what they chose to do. I'm never going to have to choose this and I don't want to write about it. And that's exactly <laughs> what he wrote. He made a choice and then I've been told I have to let him re redo the test, but it's it's hilarious. I thought, yeah, yeah, this is what no choice does for you. And this is the kind of thing that these kids will do if you don't start that way. So I had a conversation with them and I said, look, school is where we learn how to write about things we don't necessarily agree with. And so because one of these days you're going to be you're going to have a boss that's going to ask you to do something that you really don't care, but you're going to need the money. And this is where you learn to do those things. So the choice that you made probably will not get you paid in the future if that was your job, would it? And he goes, well, no, not really. And I said, okay, so we're going to redo this. You know, I'm going to show you and walk you through it. But, uh, but you know, one of the, there's times when you have to write about things that you don't really want to write about. Sure, it's a good there's skill. times, yeah, there's times you have to do something for a boss that, you know, unless it's unethical, you don't want to do that. But, you know, things that you're like, oh, I don't want to get up and do that today. There are going to be things that are going to come into your life that you don't have, you want to do, but you have to get them done. And this is a great place to learn. That's what school is all about is learning how to go about the future. But my thought was, I don't, uh, he, he also in, in his defense has been absent during these last, he's been, he's gotten pretty sick with COVID and other things this little boy did. So he missed some of my lessons. So I'm going to have to go back and reteach him, but it was funny. He's a little bit of a, you know, he, he doesn't like to be told what to do. And so asking him to write on a prompt, he did not care about, <laughs> did get a writing response. It's just not one that uh, was approved by the principal. <laughs> Let's just put it that way. 
<laughs> but I get more volume from students when I give them choice. And to me, volume is what I need because once I have volume of writing, I can have them go back into that writing and I can show them how to shape it. And once I show them how to shape it, now I can give them an actual prompt and then I can show them how to write about their choice. They can, they can attack that prompt any way they want to. So they'll have, they have to write about the prompt, but they can choose the way they want to attack it. Because once I've taught them how to shape a paper, then they can write about just about anything once I get them to do that. And I'm not talking about formula. I'm talking about shaping it in a way that they even have like Penny Kittle and um, Gallagher said, and that was the the control is the writer. So I, I teach in such a way that they also have choice in their shape and how they choose to shape it. I just tell them they have to have, they have to have a controlling idea if it's an essay. They have to have a message that means something deeper than just, you know, hey, Charlie came over and spilled my milk. You know, there's got to be something more to it than just the action. So, uh, so anyway, that's, that's kind of how I handle it. Well, are, are you familiar with the conversation around chat GPT? I don't think I am. So it's, it's in the news right now. It's, it's AI that's been developed. I think it was recently bought oh. by Google, but it basically okay. allows kids to, you, you can put anything in it and it responds and it responds very well. And so a lot of kids are using it to like write essays and stuff. Oh. And so it's, it's there probably, you go. yes, it's probably more of a high school situation, but it's, it's so funny because there's, there's people out there who hate the idea of technology doing stuff. There's people who are like, okay, let's embrace it. Blah, 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 blah. Mm-hmm. And the conversation at the high school level that I've been a part of has been a lot centered around, uh, you know, how to help kids not cheat, right? How do you not encourage these things? And truthfully, my response over and over again is if you are having kids write about something that's personal to them, they don't want anyone else to write it. Kids don't want to cheat if they're writing about something personal because it doesn't make sense. Mm -hmm. And so my number, especially in writing, but also in reading, if you are giving kids choice and empowering them to guide their learning through their own decisions, Kids will have less of a reason to cheat. Now, does that eliminate cheat? No. I mean, it's always going to happen. Cheating has happened since the dawn of time. Like, it's, <laughs> it is what it is. Like, let's not, like, I don't want to candy coat that aspect, but it's just a fact. But we don't, we don't operate on outliers. What you do is you say, man, my kids are, they're, they're, they're doing a lot of, uh, know they're 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 pulling in information from other places to do this okay okay so let's make their topic so personal they don't want to do that right let's make their topic so personal they don't want to do that let's let's make their their artistic representation so personal they don't want to do that and it works it absolutely works in terms mm-hmm. of getting kids to engage on such a deep level that choice true choice choice that has no boundaries choice that connects to them you're going to get kids who want to honor their choice so much. They feel so attached to it. They do not want to steal from other places. And that is where we need to be because everyone steals, right? Like 
what's his name? Steal Like an Artist, author of Steal Like an Artist. Hang on. Steal Like an Artist. I should think about this, but it's 11 or it's 10 o'clock. I can't do it. Austin Cleon. So if people haven't read that his book, you need to. Steal Like an Artist is absolutely amazing. But his whole philosophy is everyone steals from everybody. There's not an original idea under the sun. But it's what you do with the ideas that you borrow that matters. And so it's, and so for me, it's like, okay, so you read like for a kid, like I've had a lot of kids turn in poems that like they saw on the internet. It's like, okay, you like this poem enough to turn it as yourself. What do you like about it? Okay, sweet. I, I, I understand that. So let's write something that models that, that it's yours. And so I didn't punish kids for stealing a poem that they stole. It was like, okay, you like this enough to be yours. Let's use it as inspiration. What, what does that look like? And that is such a different conversation of saying, hey, you get a zero because you stole something. Right now, I'm not yeah. I'm not condoning copy, uh, you know, stealing people's work, being, you know, stealing copywritten things. What I'm condoning is this is your inspiration. How do we make this a part of you? Like I like my the teach me teacher existed because of other podcasts I listened to. Right. Craft the draft exists because of other podcasts I've been a part of. And so it's. Everyone borrows, but it's there's a difference between having an inspiration and stealing. And I think kids, I think sometimes we just cut it off. We're like, you know what? No, this needs to be original. A hundred percent. There's no borrowing. You can't do any of this, which is not true. Like you think of music, music, uh, you listen to someone, you're like, oh, I can hear that influence. Right. I can hear how they were influenced by these other things. You know, I, there's a great clip. If anyone's curious to dive into this rabbit hole of uh, Dave Grohl, the drummer of Nirvana, the lead singer of the Foo Fighters. He's talking to Pharrell, who made the song. I'm happy. Right. They're well, talking, yeah. you're talking about just their music. And he goes, you know, people praise me, Dave Grohl. He says, they praise me for my work on Nirvana. I just stole disco beats and put them in a rock and roll band. And Pharrell <laughs> in the sense. clip, Pharrell goes, what? And then they show the clips and he, Pharrell's like, his mind's blown. He's like, you absolutely stole disco beats and put him in this rock and roll format. All of a sudden it was new and it was exciting. He didn't make up anything, right? He didn't he invent just the format. He yeah. just changed the format. And me as a creative person, as an artist, as someone who wants to give kids the same skill sets, it's these same skills. I think we die on these hills of originality of no copyright. Like uh, we, we die on this stuff for real reasons, but truthfully, what we should be doing is saying, hey, this is your inspiration. How do we how do we use that to create something original? And that only happens in choice. If you're doing lockstep, if you're controlling every aspect, who's doing the work? Who is doing the work when you are telling kids what to write? It's you. How That's how right. are how are kids learning if you're telling them what to do? It doesn't make any rational sense to me and and yet it's pervasive we keep falling over and over again we fall into these conversations of well kids won't make the right choices okay making the wrong choices is just as important as me making the choice for them if not more yeah no i agree and the thing is when you're we were talking about that lockstep you know whatever everybody writing the exact same thing and you're giving them the formula um I'm telling you, I, you can always tell when you get students, you know, especially when I was in the high school, I could always tell when I got students that were 
told what to write because when I asked them to write, they froze. And these should have been students that didn't freeze because, you know, they're honors kids. They should have been writing this whole time, only to discover that they were being told what to write. And when it came time for them to choose something to write, they were like, uh, they, they didn't know what to do. They they never thought for themselves, especially at the beginning when I first started workshop. But uh, I would rather read 10 different things and 10 different approaches for my students than one thing. And the thing is, is you have your own idea when you're giving them what to write and how to write about it, then you're also going to start telling them what transition words to use, how long the paragraphs are supposed to be, how long a sentence is, when do you start your, you know, all the introductions will have the thesis statement at the very end of the paragraph and they're going to restate the thesis exactly in the, you know, and they're going to say the word in conclusion. And then, I mean, so then you're really truly reading the same thing and it's like a bunch of robots, but I find it more interesting as a teacher to, I love to see how these kids, first of all, what they come up with and then how they approach it. I've had students write about sound and how sound is used in advertising. I think I said that about two years ago and I've had them this year. Guess what? Guess what? I had a student write about the whole history of exponential uh, uh, exponents. I mean, the whole history of exponents. Who, who does that? Well, a student who loves algebra does that, you know, he loves math. Well, what if I had told him he had to write about I don't know the Alamo. Well, that's not, that's not what he loves. So do you think he, which one do you think he did a better job in? Now me exponents were interesting. I learned a lot about it. I didn't, I, you know, it was kind of a cool topic. I would have never come up with that. I've had kids write about cell phones. I've had them write, you know, and that, but I didn't choose that. I've got a kid that chose chores this time. He's writing because he's mad that he has to do chores. So he, He's arguing why students should or should not do chores. He's looking up the history of chores and why they're important and should they be done today so or funny. not today. And I mean, it's kind of like it's interesting to see what they're thinking, how they're thinking and, and how they go about solving it. And then and then like this one girl, when she came to me, she's like, Mr. Cho, I don't know what to do now because the opposing side is more convincing than mine. And I said, well, I guess you got a decision. Which one are you going to write about? She goes, well, I don't want to write about something I don't want to do. <laughs> so I said, well, you got a choice. I said, you can you can write about what you're going to do and have a weak argument. I don't want to be weak. I don't like being weak. I said, okay, well, then you can write about, you can support the principle in this case. <laughs> well, I don't want to do that. And I said, then I guess you need to change your topic. <laughs> She's like, right. well, I don't want to start over. And I said, okay, well, those are your three options. Uh, anyway, so I, it's interesting. She's right in the middle. I don't know what she's going to do, but that was our last conversation about her piece. So it's kind of interesting. So it's just fun. And then I can't tell you how many times kids have come back and said, Miss Ochoa, I think I'm going to be a writer. Now, whether they become a writer or not, I, I you know, I, I don't know for sure. But, but the mere fact that they even for a moment thought, I, you know, I think I like this. I mean that you're you're teaching them how to think, think for themselves, solve problems, 
I just don't think you can go wrong with choice, personally. I do know that I think you need a nice balance. I think you need to have start off with what they know. I think we write best what we know. And so once you get them comfortable with that and they develop volume, you teach them how to shape it by showing them the different options. I like to have them put their parts of their paper their ideas on note cards and then they move their note cards around to see what's the best way to present their argument or whatever they're doing their paragraphs or or uh, reasons or information and then after that um, I teach them how to they look over their paper and I give them things to look for and then they still make decisions on whether they rearrange their sentences revise them edit them they, they all have the choice all the way through the whole piece. They have choice in their reading. And I've just, I just get a lot more from the students when I do that. I really do. And I, you know, um, and they come back and, and they act like they appreciate it. So it's really, I don't know. I just think it's the way to go. I don't like people telling me what to do. I, I have learned that about myself. I don't like it when they start telling me I have to do what's, I don't know. Let's just come up with a name. Sally's doing next door you know I mean I don't know what Sally's doing I can't present it the way Sally's doing it I don't even know Sally but I'm just using a, a random name yeah. but the but the thing is 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 if I don't I mean I cannot teach like you Jacob I cannot I've been in your room I know how you do it and I can't do it exactly like you but I can do it like me but when they tell me I have to do exactly what you're doing I start rebelling too I like my own I like my autonomy and so do so do my students I can't think of anything else to say after that. That was a beautiful way to close. Ladies and gentlemen, this has been the Craft the Draft podcast. I hope you enjoyed this as much as us. We really dove into this one. Choi, you, can you tell we're passionate about choice? I think we hit every, I mean, this was, this was a, a wild one, but you know what? This is what we're passionate about. This is what we do. If you're passionate about it too, subscribe so you don't miss any other episodes. Hit that subscribe button. So you get a podcast every single Friday. Join us on Patreon if you want bonus episodes, bonus training, and so much more. That's Pamela Cho. I'm Jacob Chastain. We love what we do. We hope you do as well. And for everything else, know that we are here for you. <laughs>